hey, quick little technical note about this episode. Uh, due to a little audacity snafu, uh, our friend Aaron, who was in this episode, lost pretty much most of our audio. Uh, as a result, um, I had to cut around that a little bit. And if you notice, around 10 minutes uh, in, uh, Aaron just kind of disappears. Uh, that's why. Uh, if you picked this episode to be your first AP Marvel, uh, you sure picked an interesting one. Uh, but regardless, I hope you enjoy the conversation. Uh, yep. Enjoy. is the chairman of Marvel Entertainment, and there have been uh, a lot of fun anecdotes about him uh, cutting up discarded paper into quarters for memo paper, uh, literally fishing out paper clips from the trash. Uh, at the Avengers premiere, apparently, he really cut the costs on uh, refreshments for the press, so he, only, he literally put out a bag of chips, and that was pretty much it. And the urban legend is that they had to steal food from the five-year engagement preview, uh, excuse me, the premiere, <laughs> to feed the press. Uh, and also, most infamously, apparently he went to the Iron Man premiere in disguise in, like, a hat and a, and a fake mustache. Um, Ike Perlmutter is a weird dude. So, why are we interested in this man? Well... I think the main thing we're going to come across, we're going to kind of convey here is that uh, corporations are not your friends, and Ike Perlmutter, uh, being the man at the top, has been responsible for some of the weirder, uh, systemic, problematic aspects of not just the Marvel Studios films, but uh, Marvel in general. So, you are listening to AP Marvel episode 33. I'm your usual host, Chris Compendio. I'm here with Anthony Payone. Hey, how's it going? It's going wonderful, Anthony. Uh, we are here again with Aaron Beasley, who has uh, been a who has had a presence in our previous few episodes. What's going on, Aaron? Yo, hi. Um, my participation will probably decrease now that school's back in session, but you know, hi. Yeah, so we uh, we were recording this on a Monday. This is coming out on Thursday, but uh, how was your first day of classes back in uh, Pittsburgh? Oh. Oh my gosh, a lot to do, long day, um, same with tomorrow, but Wednesday I only have like two classes in the morning, so it should be there pretty chill. Yeah. Tomorrow's the first cool. day of the Stuco, right? Yes, yep. the Marvel student talk class that, uh... We talk about it's, uh, it's still you, Izzy, and Sabrina, correct? Yep, that's correct. Alrighty then, uh, be prepared for some uh, fresh young faces who are ready to talk Marvel discourse! Marvel uh, discourse, yeah! We will... We will indoctrinate them soon. Anywho, uh, let's talk about Ike Perlmutter and his history. Uh, how this episode is going to work is um, I think we've had a nice flow of conversation in previous episodes. Uh, we're not really going to do that. This episode is mainly going to be me bringing out the history of this eccentric uh, billionaire mogul corporate dude. Um, and Aaron and Anthony uh, will kind of kind of jump in and, uh, you know, share their thoughts. But, uh, Aaron, I'm interested, since this episode is basically your suggestion now, what was it that that um, drew you to talking about this man in the well, first place? Really, um, 
how I think of Ike Perlmutter is he's sort of the primary antagonist of the MCU, in yep. my opinion. You know, he's done all he's sort of done all these things. He has a very fixed idea of how he wants things to be done, uh, which is usually just as cheaply as possible. And um, when people go against that, you know, he tries sort of to destroy them. So um in a way you can thanos even say he's sort of, yeah exactly he's the yeah. he's the thanos of the real life mco so the one that no one really knows about until the big shit happens and you're just like who's this fuck and, yeah, and every exactly. and it turns out that he's been pulling the strings this whole time mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah we were saying in the pre-show anthony that um we believe that uh, Ike Perlmutter is the best MCU villain uh, thus far. Yes, <laughs> yes, um, yes, because he's yeah. called, he's caused most of the bad ones. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, we'll explore that in a bit, yeah. but he, he's not a name you see in the credits. Mm-hmm. You know, he is a he is. I guess he's no longer the CEO. I, I saw some old James Gunn tweets saying that he is not the CEO anymore. Thank God. And it looks like they don't really have a CME. It, it, he's he's the chairman, which, you know, there is a lot of, like, semantics and, like, corporate mumbo-jumbo. I couldn't really tell you yeah. what the difference is. But a lot of decisions come from the top down, like I said uh, earlier, and it can definitely have a, a negative impact on the art. So I think... In collecting this history, uh, we kind of found an interesting story uh, with this man's career uh, that yeah. can kind of actually give some context to kind of the weird stuff that's happened in the uh, MCU. Yeah, and I think it's—I I think kind of like to preface a lot of this because we've we've been reading a lot about—I mean, I've read a lot of the preliminary stuff of who this guy is, and he seems a lot like the the kind of corporate evil villain that no one really knows about unless you dig deeper and then it turns out holy shit this person's been pulling the strings in all the bad ways to make them more powerful in some capacity or for them to make more money and yeah yeah. he started hydra yeah yeah pretty much we're we're kind of delve into that kind of stuff which will be interesting because it's like maybe there's other things out there that you don't know about where people are pulling the strings and it's like ah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and as we'll get to the end, like, when we get to the end of his, when we get to the present day of his life story, uh, you will see that Ike Promoter has been in the news. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, um, I titled this segment, A History of the Mysterious Isaac Perlmutter. Uh I learned that he was born in present-day Israel yeah, on December 1st, 1942, and to be honest, I'm surprised that we even know his birthday. He seems like someone who would like want to have that struck from the record. Uh, but interestingly enough, something we all found out last night is that he served in the Israeli army. Uh, in fact, he fought in the Six-Day War of 1967. Uh, it was basically Israel... Um, Surrounded by... Versus yeah, the world. A lot of Arab nations. Yeah, yeah Israel versus and, the world is what a lot yeah, of people have described. There was to me. like some crazy displacement uh, as a result of that that skirmish. Um, uh, years later, he would come to the United States. And again, this is kind of like hearsay, this is urban legend, but he is said to have arrived to New York City with only $250 in his pocket. Um,. So, you know, it's kind of that classic, like, American dream, the streets are paved with gold, you know, that kind of narrative. Uh, and, you know, he became a self-made man. He he was selling in the streets of New York City, and he, he didn't, like, have a formal education on business, 
but he taught himself how to be a businessman. And uh, he was he was selling toys. Like that's that was the main thing that got to start. He was selling toys, uh, which will become very relevant in the uh, we start talking about Marvel. Uh, funnily enough, I found this from a Yahoo article which I found through the Wikipedia citations. And for some reason, this Yahoo article cites Wikipedia. So it is this weird infinite loop. Uh, loop. Maybe maybe weird. Isaac Perlmutter put it there. You know? yeah, maybe. Isaac, yeah. Isaac, Perlmutter put it, Isaac Perlmutter put it in Wikipedia and then wrote the Yahoo uh, article and then cited the Wikipedia page in the Yahoo article. So why would Ike Perlmutter do this if he's being very secretive? Is he, like, inventing a history for himself? Yeah, here we go. Yeah, he's... Mm. I don't Tommy know. Wiseau of the MCU. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, I was thinking of... Um, who's the who's the freaking guy who stole a bunch of money and jumped out of a plane and no one ever saw him again? Uh, fuck, fuck, what's his name? He, it has initials. <laughs> guy, and I'm typing this in Google. Guy who jumped out of plane... <laughs> out of plane with money. There it is. Uh, D.B. Cooper. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Honestly, like, I Ike Perlmutter reminded me a little uh, bit of D.B. Cooper. Yeah. Uh, Google's um, amazing. I feel like I read somewhere that, like, he, he, he got a loan from his in-laws at some point. So, like, I'm not really sure where that fits in the self-made narrative. But, a million you know, dollar loan, one would say? Probably. <laughs> yeah, sure. Speaking of man with one million dollar loan, that man will mm. come up in the future. <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> So I tried to get a little deeper into his business background. Um, it is not something that was really within my realm, so I couldn't really explain a lot of things to you. But the basic narrative that I gathered was that he basically invested in companies and, you know, at one point tried to take one over, uh, one being Revco, which I guess is this manufacturing company. Hmm. And Sounds um, very Marvel villain company. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, the word takeover, you know, especially, like, it's just this very hostile word. Well, no, I mean, it kind of, like, the name Revco kind of sounds like an evil corporation. A little, yeah, kind of like, um... What's the one? The uh, one from Cloak & Decker. The one, yeah, Roxxon. Roxxon, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Coleco was a toy company. Oh. And he was not, like, officially part of this company, but he was, um... Um... There is there are like excerpts that Wikipedia pointed me to uh, of a book called Vulture Investing or like the Vulture Investors, and I guess Perlmutter is one of those quote unquote Vulture Investors who was basically uh, investing in this company. And as Coleco was going down, uh, Perlmutter was basically profiting from the troubles and the struggles of this Coleco company. What the fuck? Uh, and I was just I was scrolling through those excerpts on Google Books, and I saw the name Wilbur Ross there. And if you, like, follow the Trump administration, Wilbur Ross is currently Donald Trump's Secretary of Commerce. Um, I think he was some sort of lawyer who was involved in this whole uh, mess. But Jesus I was like, wow, Christ. yeah, isn't that... The, the, the I, I went down. goes these, deep. Yeah, these are, like, the, these are the kinds of people that people on the right would probably admire. Like, oh, they are smart businessmen, you know? Yeah. Like, they are cutthroats. Uh, but they are successful, and they are, you know, true Americans. They're patriots, yada, yada, yada. Capitalism, right? Yeah. Um, did I do that bad. right, Tony? I'm not really sure. No, no, you sense. did it right. Yeah, capitalism bad. <laughs> we, we, we've acknowledged that multiple times on this podcast. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so by 1993, he was on the Marvel Board of Directors. 
Um, and this was as a result from a co-venture called Toy Biz. And guess who his partner was? <laughs> Hypothetical question. Anyone want to say? Well, say we're all reading the, the Google Doc at the same time as you. So, uh, Chris, you could say it. That's Avi Arad. Um, you mean the same Avi Arad that has produced almost every single Marvel-based character movie since the 90s? Pretty much. Um, he you, is the one uh, who said, the kids love Venom? The kids, the kids love, love Venom. Venom. The kids love Venom. Shockingly, the, kid, the kids also love Aquaman, apparently. The the thing with I did not know how intertwined their history was, but I guess at the end of reading this, I was like, "This is not surprising at all." <laughs> like these two, um, like very infamous for being controversial within the fandom. Uh, Avi Arad, I think, probably gives a little more of a shit about the characters than Perlmutter does. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Avi Arad, you always like see him at the Spider Man premieres, like with a Spider Man hat, and he's like talking about the character in interviews like whether it's accurate or not i couldn't really tell you but um he is not a person who kevin feige has a good relationship with and Um, and aviera like started like kevin feige's career or yeah that's arguably to to an extent to some sure yeah i mean avi eric was definitely an important part of the early days of marvel studios especially back when it was just called marvel films Mm -hmm. and they were basically a licensing company um as a result of this uh you know marvel group they went bankrupt in 1996 um and i think that selling those film rights were it, it was like a um it was part of the solu- the apparent solution to remedy this. Um, so that's why, like, that's why all of those rights were scattered throughout studios because they just needed money. Um, they were they were tanking. Um, so because of this bankruptcy, um, there is kind of a power struggle. And Perlmutter and Arid, uh, they both basically came out on top of all these other players, of all these other uh, people within uh, Marvel. Um, And Toy Biz uh, merged with Marvel to become Marvel Enterprises, um, which is like the most business-sounding thing ever. Uh, They eventually just became Marvel Entertainment in 2005. Because they understood how to Um, market. (laughs) Yeah, and also they decided, like, okay, we were going to make our own movies. That was the point where they decided, hey, we have like Iron Man and like Thor and Captain America and yada, yada, yada. We're going to make our own movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, um, he became the vice chairman in 2001. He became the CEO in 2005. Uh, at some point, I couldn't figure out when, but he just became the chairman of Marvel Entertainment. Uh, so all in all, uh, business is a mess, guys. Um, nothing of what I just said has to do with comics. But it's rather about the um, the corporate entity that is Marvel. So within that umbrella is Marvel Comics, Marvel Animation, uh, at recently Marvel Television, which I guess started in like 2010, and at one point Marvel uh, Films. Um, a lot of backstabbing, a lot of license deals, a lot of mergers, and all of this seemed to be so Ike Perlmutter can come out on top. This was all for personal interest. So Nothing that I've said... Yeah, go ahead, Dan. So, no, no. So it's, it feels like a lot of... Like, when did... I don't know. I feel like then 
you know, a lot of people were saying like, oh, the comic, the comics kind of declined at a certain point, and it was only like certain like big massive team ups where the comics were like considered good, um, and I think that might have like all of these backstabbing and back deal like backroom deals were kind of affecting like the 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 front like the front of house of like marvel dc was also going at like around this exact same time of like 2005 2006 um i need to look up exactly the exact date when the new 52 came out but like nah, DC... that was a little later than that i think but yeah no but like um... uh it started in 2011 so like from 2005 yes. Through 2008, through 2010, to 2011, there was always, like, this air of comics in general were not doing well. Yeah, and um, I did find this one article that kind of described Ike Perlmutter's Marvel Comics as a sweatshop. Um, And apparently, it sounds like they were just not, they were, you know, obviously a lot of cost cutting, and it sounded like they were just not producing enough. Oh wow! So whenever um, a comic book store run out of a certain issue, like that, that's it, man. Like <laughs> that's all you got. Uh, obviously now remedied because you can buy digital, you can buy comics digitally. But um, the fact that they were like able to compromise that part of like just getting comic books in the hands of readers is just kind of wild to me. Th- this fucker never read comics. This fucker made fun of people who read comics. Do you have a quote on that? Because I actually could not find that. No, but I'm just assuming he's the, the type of guy that would make fun of people who read comics, like, in high school. Um, you know, I, I follow, like, video game news, and I, I kind of look at, like, oh, this, like, does this, this the CEO of Sony, like, actually give a shit about PlayStation, or... Um, probably not. Uh, the only time I uh, actually see it is probably Nintendo. Yeah. Uh, Kaz Harai, of, uh, who was CEO last, um, like, he w- he was in charge of PlayStation, so, like, that guy definitely gives a shit, but the guy before him was a, was some British dude named Howard Stringer, who used to be a TV executive, and, like, whenever I saw him in, like, an old, like, 90s press conference, like, I watch a lot of Giant Bomb, so they watch old tapes, but it was, like, it was, like, what is this dude doing here? This dude does not know anything about games, he is just, like, he is a businessman first. Mm-hmm. Um... So whenever you talk about movies, um, people always have this image of uh, a businessman, you know, at a desk who does not really give a shit about how celebrated the characters are. He has no uh, reverence for any of this, and it's just kind of making, like, money decisions, making, like, um, decisions based on graphs and charts and demographics, and we in this show were like, oh, no, this is, like, a very director-focused um, franchise. And I think stories, the most part thematics. still is. Yeah. yeah. However, <laughs> we have found that, like, that that person does exist within Marvel. That's Ike Perlmutter. He is the guy at the desk who is, like, probably looking at numbers and graphs and uh, budgets. And there have been, at least earlier in the MCU, decisions that he has made. <laughs> yeah. Um. So... Yeah, he he does not seem like someone who is necessarily proud of. He, he's not, um, you know, like oh, I'm gonna carry on the legacy of Marvel because you know Stan Stan Lee's characters like have like he's not that person. Um, let me read this quote. Um, Perlmutter is described as the as the type of guy that generally sits back and absorbs what is going on around him. 
but don't take this as a sign that he is laid back. His mind is always moving forward and looking for the next challenge. Perlmutter's heavy Israeli accent is often cited as a reason for his lack of public presence, but other accounts show that he is more of a background person instead of someone comfortable in the limelight. Um, so I'm not sure if that really has anything to do with Marvel, that just could be his personality. Um, there, there are some weird billionaires out there. I was thinking about the, uh, fucking, uh, aviator. Uh, <laughs> what was that dude's name? But... I, I'm just so curious of like what goes on with that process, and I think that's kind of the point of what he why he's being reclusive because he does not want to. He wants to be an enigma, you know. He just wants to serve himself. Um, Howard Hughes. <laughs> that's what I was looking up. <laughs> I will be so fascinated to like see the Ike Perlmutter movie, like um, from humble beginnings to like running one of the big corporations in comics and entertainment. Um, how did he get pushed away from Marvel Studios? So, I think this was around 2005. This was kind of around Age of Ultron era. Where it sounded like Kevin Feige just said, uh, enough of this. Enough of this guy. Kevin Feige, we know better as a guy who was like in... Uh, who operates in good faith. Like, he is someone who actually cares about these characters. He's always talking about them in interviews. Um, he is not the guy sitting at the desk. He is the guy who is on set. He is, like, interacting with uh, the filmmakers, with the cast. Um, yeah. He is out there, unlike, you know, Aaron said that, like, Mike Cromutter is not out there. In fact, he is the opposite of out there. They had to sketch... Uh, they had to predict what he looks like at this age. They had to sketch him out in this oh, one well, hilarious Hollywood Oh, I don't Hollywood want to spoil that. Article. I wanted to get to that a little bit later. I don't, <laughs> I don't know when you wanted to get to I that. I wanted to get to that, like... like, kind of like, today, he's like, we don't know where he is. The last time, well, the last we heard of him was like six or seven months ago, and no one knows where he is. They kind of know where he is, though. Um, so... <sighs> There were a lot of incidents, I guess. So one such being, um, uh, he was reportedly, I can't really find a good source of this, but apparently he called these three uh, African-American women who work at Marvel the help. Oof. Oof. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yikes. Yeah. Um, he has apparently just been a thorn to Ken Feige's side where... Um, he sent an email to Sony, you know, back in the uh, Spidey days, and these were one of the many emails leaked. He wrote something along the lines of, like, um, female superhero movies do not do well. And he copied and pasted statistics from Elektra and Catwoman and Supergirl. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. The three, yeah. the three women. Because it all goes back to toys, right? Um, he is a toy guy first and foremost, so there was some, uh, Shane Black story that came out where he admitted in an interview that, um, uh, Rebecca Hall, she played Maya Hansen in Iron Man 3, she was actually supposed to be the bad guy, and the reason she was not the bad guy was because, and Shane Black's quote was like, oh, Marvel does not think that female villains would sell toys. And that's not and Kevin result, Feige. That's like Perlmutter. 
Yes, and they had to change the whole damn script because of this top-down decision. Yes. Um. So the whole uh, like Age of Ultron. That's when um there was that scene of Black Widow uh, in Seoul, South Korea, on the motorcycle, and the toy replaced her with Captain America. Um, and that was kind of like the peak of um, you know, why are there no um. female action figures for Marvel. Uh, now we know it was definitely an Ike Perlmutter decision, you know, the toy guy. Um, not only was there all this um, BS with, you know, racism, sexism, um, there was also a creative committee Oh, before in we place, get to the committee, like, should we do Marvel? the Don Cheadle's quote? Where he said that Don uh, Cheadle replaced the Okay, yeah, we can get to that. Um... Yeah, I, I just realized I skipped ahead and I did everything except for that one <laughs> quote. But the giant um, block quote, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, along with that history of sexism and racism, he also was quoted as saying, um, "When Don Cheadle was hired uh, at a first of all at a cheaper rate than Terrence Howard. <laughs> Remember, I think Terrence Howard was I think the first person cast in Iron Man, not Robert Downey Jr. And Terrence Howard played a lot for that first movie." Uh, they could not come to a, an, an agreement, and they replaced Terrence Howard with Don Cheadle, who looks very different from Terrence Howard, very, I might very say. Different. Ike Perlmutter apparently told uh, former chairman of Disney Consumer Products, Andy Mooney, that no one would notice because, quote-unquote, black people look the same. Uh, Mooney has since left, reportedly over conflicts with Perlmutter... <laughs> And he was quickly followed out the door by three African American female executives who have since sought settlements. What yes. a mess! Yes, this is very, very bad. Yes. Oh man. Um. So there's an interesting look in that uh, weird early part of history of uh, MCU history. Um. Part of me thinks that. Um, so like. It's been kind of revealed that the CIA doctored Iron Man 1. Uh, like, that's, like, 100% confirmed. You can, like, look it up. There's, like, all of the, all the times the CIA went in and doctored um, movie scripts, and Iron Man 1 was one of them. I think a couple other uh, Marvel movies, but I can't remember. But Iron Man 1... Can you clarify like, what that means? Like, the CIA would go in, go to the script and say, does this... Do we approve of this? Or... Do we make it look like the U.S. government is taken in positive light? If you're if you're like filming a movie, like, and you're based in the U.S., then the CIA can do that, which is really fucky. So, how so? Like, just just playing devil's advocate. Oh, I don't like when people play devil's advocate when it comes to the CIA. But uh, <laughs> the CIA uh, has always been known to be really fucky and controlly, and. Uh, assassinate people they don't like especially minorities yeah. um, i mean the only reason i the only reason i play devil's advocate is because like someone might be listening and be like yes. oh that's cool that yeah. they're trying to make it more authentic but yeah. um yeah so you know, no i understand not, chris not, yeah. yeah yeah um yeah but like um i think i kind of oh made it easier for that to come in like there wasn't and if there was like if kevin feige was at the helm there would be more backlash from him than if it was for Mike, but I might just be optimistic. Um, yeah, I mean, 
there are things that we have learned about uh, his behind-the-scenes activity, uh, especially with the uh, federal government, that might lead me to believe that, like, yeah, that is totally him. Yeah. Combined with other sort of, like... I don't know, I kind of chalk up all the... A lot of... Not all, but most of the negative shit that has come out of the MCU to originate from Perlmutter. Whether it be character decisions, um, movie choices, actor choices, etc. To be kind of all come back to the creative committee in Ike Perlmutter. Yeah, uh, let's talk about that creative committee. Yeah, um, this is always something that like a lot of people don't really know about, so I really like kind of getting into it. Yeah, because sometimes whenever I use the word committee, I usually use that in a negative context. Uh, like I might say, oh, this this felt like it was made by committee. Um, kind of the antithesis of the director-writer-focused uh, work that has been done. But there totally was an actual committee, a creative committee at Marvel, capital C, creative committee. Uh, and this committee involved uh, people like Alan Fine, who is said to be Ike Perlmutter's uh, right-hand man. Um, you can probably see him as, like, an executive producer in the credits of most Marvel stuff. Uh, I don't know about the movies, but definitely for the TV shows. Uh, Brian Michael Bendis, uh, a familiar name for people who follow comics. Um, uh, Dan Buckley, publisher of Marvel Comics. Uh, Joe Quesada, the former editor-in-chief of Marvel Comics and the current chief creative officer of Marvel. Um, all names that, uh, comic fans probably recognize and have, have opinions on them, you know? I know they've all made, like, uh, you know, I think Bendis is probably responsible for Miles Morales, but, you know, people have problems with Bendis' writings, you know, people definitely have problems with the way Joe Quesada has run things from Marvel Comics. So it sounded like they were trying to do a Pixar brain trust thing here, um... For those of you who don't know, like, Pixar would have, like, their elite directors kind of uh, have everything go through them. And they would give notes and, you know, probably shoot down a lot of things, which is why some productions like, you know, like Brave and The Good Dinosaur have kind of been a mess. Um, the the filmmakers of Tron Legacy went through the Pixar brain trust. <laughs> which is kind of weird. Yeah, definitely. Um... I I do not think this is as good as the Pixar Brain Trust. Apparently they are apparently their notes, and this is according to a Birth Movies Death article. Um, apparently they're the ones who kind of drove Edgar Wright away from Ant Man. Um, and yep, yep, yeah, they, you know, see, see, it wasn't Kevin Feige. It was this fucker. It was this fucker. Possibly, yeah. It, yeah, yeah, it was this. Yeah. It, see, this all comes back to this piece of <laughs> shit. Everything that so many people talk about with the problems of the MCU all trace back to this fucking piece of human trash. Okay, yeah. Sorry, I mean, it, I, it's not all, and it's it, but like probably a lot probably. of it. A lot of it comes probably, back. Probably yes. Now I have a just a quick question before we get into the next two points that are mentioned. That are, one is highlighted in our uh, little Google Doc. Um, yeah. When did Ike leave? The, when did the committee dissolve, and when did Ike leave? This was apparently in, uh, I think, 2005. Uh, t- t- not 2000, 2015, excuse me. 2015. Uh, <laughs> um, 
and that is around uh, Age of Ultron era. So, I, so it sounds like actually um, it could have been twenty fourteen. It's yeah, it's it sounds like Civil War was the first Perlmutter mm. free production. So all right, now I'm getting I'm getting into full conspiracy theory here, but as oh, we boy. know, and as is discussed through a Marvel leaked email, we realized that Ike Perlmutter was not interested at all in doing Black Panther or Captain Marvel. Yes, that's that's the so, uh, that's the that's what people say, and I buy that. <laughs> yes, in twenty in twenty fourteen. After Guardians of the Galaxy. So when was the when was the full scale like introductory like the the El Capitan theater thing where they announced Civil War and they announced Captain Marvel and they announced Black Panther all these movies that were like basically saying a fuck you to Ike Perlmutter. Uh, that was probably I think that was shortly before Guardians came out because I remember they already Age. had the logo for Guardians two. And it wasn't even out yet. No, it was after Guardians came out. It was this. It was the fall after Guardians. Yeah, came it, out. It, like before or after. I don't remember when, but um. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. look this. It was before Age yeah. of Ultron because they had a clip so of Age of Ultron the there. Fall. Yeah, so Age of Ultron came out in, uh, 2015. Yeah, so this was the fall of 2014. So and Ike Perlmutter left around 2015. So this kind of all culminates to probably he was leaving at this time. Yeah. And with the committee dissolving, Ike Perlmutter leaving, that laid the groundwork for Feige and Co. and whoever else was working at Marvel to say, hey, let's get these characters in. Let's do this. Let's do this right. <laughs> I'm curious and where Inhumans fits in, because while I could not find anything, yeah. um, any reporting on this, a lot of people speculate that uh, because of the nonsense between Fox and Marvel, where um, Marvel was basically um, diminishing the roles of X-Men and Fantastic Four in the comics as a result of Fox having the uh, film rights, um, mm -hmm. people are speculating that the reason why the Inhumans are around is to fill in that gap. Um, mm-hmm. Again, I think that's that, speculation. That I don't. Reading. I don't know if there's any any actual yeah. factual basis on that. I, th so so based upon what some of our inside source, we have some inside sources. I'm not going to reveal <laughs> anything, but um, um, based upon that and what Marvel Entertainment has been talking about and new upcoming comics with um, the Fantastic Four. Which has been like announced, like, hey, we're 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 having new Fantastic Four comics out. We're announcing it to the world. It's like, wow, new Fantastic Four. I wonder why they're announcing new Fantastic Four comics. Isn't it interesting? Yeah, Chris, why don't we talk about how they're having new Fantastic Four comics? That's kind of like cool. now they are. It's almost like they're kind of advertising for something else coming out after I don't know this new Avengers movie that's going to come out. Yeah, we'll see. I just remember like. When, when things were still shitty, I mean, they were kind of spreading the Fantastic Four characters around. So, for some reason, the mm -hmm. Thing was a Guardian of the Galaxy. <laughs> like, he it was just like this big rock dude in, like, an astronaut suit. He's like, why are you up there, dude? <laughs> like, <laughs> it was like the Fantastic Four comic at the time was canceled. Um, that's such a yeah. weird, weird place to put him. Um, yep. Speaking of uh, other weird behind-the-scenes things, um, Aaron, you have opinions on 
Ike Perlmutter trying to cut Robert Downey Jr. out of Civil War. If they were to go with that plan, if Perlmutter got his way, I don't think he would care that people would be angry that they, like, um, they totally bungled the base premise of Civil War, which is Iron Man versus Captain America, but, like, I guess he would save a lot of zeros in the paycheck, and that, to me, seems like the most extreme version of his stinginess. Mm-hmm. Um, Knowing how successful not only Civil War was, but, like, Marvel movies in general are. Like, they're ten times as successful as every other franchise or every other movie that comes out like every marvel movie has been a success for the most part yeah definitely definitely no box office bombs for sure um especially at the the time they were coming off of guardians um yeah and i i guess like um age of ultron it sounded like joss whedon had a miserable experience kind of getting to that post-production phase and I couldn't tell you if it was Feige or Perlmutter, but regardless of what it was, like, he got the fuck out of there. And shortly, yeah, and then, like, Perlmutter was kind of out of the picture around that same time. So I, you know, I I am hesitant to also go into conspiracy mode, but all of that happening at the same time is just too much of a coincidence to me. <laughs> like, th- think about this. The end of Phase 2 was Ant-Man. And Perlmutter left. And then Phase 3 happened. And 95% of Phase 3 is good. Yeah, yeah, in our views, yeah. Like, like better than good. I would say Phase 3, especially starting with Civil War, is the most, and this is going to be a weird phrase, is the most MCU the MCU has ever been. (laughs) Like, Civil War was a very MCU movie. Like, it was just so full of that shit. But also the most consistent, like, consistent like in quality uh in my opinion yeah i mean um i i have enjoyed all of those movies like in in consecutively even dr strange i really enjoy like i watch dr strange sometimes on netflix like i'll put it on because i just the colors Mm. it was i think it was was the best streak of movies (laughs) for sure yep uh, I mean, it's still it's still yeah, going. No, yeah, well, we'll see how. Like, like people would argue, like the the streak is still yeah. going. Um, just up to Captain Marvel. I and... mean, most of the people that I watch, most of the people like YouTubers that I watch, like don't even like they liked Thor Ragnarok and Black Panther, but like didn't even like like don't watch Marvel movies in general, which is like weird that I love like watching content by these people, <laughs> but like they hate the stuff that I like care about yeah <laughs> like I, I don't hear a lot of randos like seeing praises of the winter soldier or civil war but uh ragnarok even though winter soldier yeah like, like, ragnarok good. and black panther did a really great job at um kind of breaking the usual uh barrier that some people have for marvel mm-hmm. movies because there are some people like marvel is just a turnoff but man that ragnarok thing from taika watiti like that was like a real fun thing like black panther like not it was it was a hit like what more do I have to say about that it was so accessible to so many people around the world and especially domestically um so mm-hmm. no they were refreshing no promoter in sight there i mean i feel like phase 3 feels a lot more comic booky you know um i feel like there are fewer compromises now and i've been so surprised like how far these movies have been going in terms of like just 
doing weird things with the comics material, you know. Um, yeah, I'm. Part of me just kind of had like a slight little worry about Captain Marvel. Interesting, but I don't know. Okay, that's just me. Maybe, maybe I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just like I just had like a slight jerk. Like, oh, what if it's like not good and mm. boring? Uh, Tony, you want to talk about Donald Trump now? <laughs> now that we've talked about our law. Yeah, this movies, is we'll weird. This is the this is where shit gets yeah. weird, and I was kind of surprised it happened because if. If, like, we did our research before 2016, we would have figured out all this information about Perlmutter, and then it was like, oh, this is understandable and makes sense. But when there was that article that came out um, last fall, or last fall? Let me check. Um, I can't. I think it was, I think it was last fall, yeah. Um, but. Uh, no, last, last spring. Okay, yeah, even earlier than that. Last sure. summer. Uh, last, sorry, yeah, last, uh, yeah, no, I'm done. Sorry, uh, two years ago, uh, January of 2017, um, there was was that there was like some stuff going on in Florida involving Donald Trump, uh, with with Ike Perlmutter's DNA, <laughs> um, and apparently it's like it was uh, his DNA was stolen, so Donald Trump was helping him out. I, I, I didn't know if those two stories were related. I know they kind of came about the same time. Uh, yeah, and then there was that other story that came out in the that fall. Well, of that let, year. let me give context. Let um, me let me paint a picture here. Yeah, now yeah, that we you kind do of this. You, you this do better things. than this than I do. So, um, Ike Perlmutter has apparently, and and his wife Laura Perlmutter has apparently had a uh, friendly relationship with Donald Trump. Um. They have shown up at uh, since he became president. He has shown the uh, the Perlmutters have shown up um, at the inauguration. At, well, yeah, um, Laura Perlmutter was a part of the inauguration committee. <laughs> so but, they were at the inauguration, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah, and so um, it seems to me that the thing that the Perlmutters are focused on are uh, veterans and veterans care. So. Perlmutter was at, like, the signing of some sort of VA-related bill. Uh, and, you know, the, usually the tradition is that, you know, Donald, like, the president has all of these pens and, like, will sign a thing and then, like, give the pen as, like, a commemoration to, like, the people who are at the signing. So there is a picture of Donald Trump handing Ike Perlmutter a pen <laughs> when, you know, usually Ike Perlmutter is not in photos because apparently if you, he, if you capture a photo of him... You'll capture hey, his soul, I guess. I don't hey, know. Is, hey, is he a vampire hey, or something? Hey, Chris, yeah. um, when did Ike Perlmutter uh, fight for the U.S. military? He did not fight for the U.S. military. Then why is he advising on veterans' affairs? Shouldn't people be questioning this shit? They are questioning it, in fact, because here's the thing. The Perlmutters go to Mar-a-Lago, and if you're in the United States, you recognize Mar-a-Lago as... Um, basically the second White House, because it is Donald Trump's resort in Florida. He goes there very often, and the Perlmutters, they, they switch between, they have residents in New York City, but they also live in Palm Beach. So, the Perlmutters often go to Mar-a-Lago, and for some reason, Ike Perlmutter is, like, one of the many, uh, Trump whisperers. He is an informal advisor, and Trump seems to have a lot of those. He does not seem to trust the actual um, official 
institutions and positions uh, that are already established. Uh, you know, he will like he will usually try to exploit them to his advantage. So you hear a lot of stories about like what he's been doing with his chiefs of staff. Like he tries to get his chief of staff to fire people rather than him. He always kind of goes over the chief of staff's head. Um, and he usually calls up people like who do not work for the White House to ask for advice. Uh, I think Tom Barrick, like one of his uh, business friends from back in the day, who does not have a formal role in government, he always calls that guy. So, oh, this Donald Trump seem is sketchy at all. Well, yeah, he he's really into he's obsessed with loyalty. You know, he yeah. will only listen to the people who have been at his side for like his entire life. Um, he is the kingpin. Yeah, and like granted, like he will like um throw away anyone who does him wrong, like, you know, like Steve Bannon and Michael Cohen more recently yeah. are examples of that. Uh sorry, now, sloppy Steve Bannon, as he says. <laughs> now I do wanna now I do wanna point out that uh in my opinion, uh, I don't necessarily like establishment politics either, but this is taking it in the mafia direction where <laughs> yeah. instead of instead of the people have the power, I have the power. Which is very yeah. different than keeping the status quo where a where the the capitalists are in charge whereas instead of the capitalists being in charge only the very select few of my friends are in charge yeah and i i agree with you anthony because like i am i'm like way not into institutions but yeah it's the specific people he's talking yes, to of course of course that is like really weirding me out here and the fact mm-hmm. that ike promoter is one of uh, three, and uh, you know, this is what some articles have called it. Like the, I think the, um, the Washington this is, Post. We, I want to be. We have to be very clear about this. This is not what we're saying. This is what the articles say. Yes, they are being called shadow rulers in the Department of Veterans Affairs. This is a guy who worked on comic book movies, and he is a comic yeah, book works, villain. Quote unquote. He is a comic book villain. He, yes. He is. Oh my so, God. it is uh, uh-huh. Ike Perlmutter. It is a dude named uh, Dr. Bruce Moskowitz and Mark Sherman. And they're being called uh, cronies <laughs> to Donald Trump. They have they somehow have gained some sort of authority to, um, to basically send directives to the Department of Veterans Affairs. Um, again, VA is like that's that is like I think it's the largest or at least the second largest um, department in the federal government. You know they handle like they it's what it sounds like veterans affairs. You know that's a pretty major thing because veterans are usually they usually get the short end of the stick in the you know for looking at back at history. Um, apparently, one of the things that uh, Perlmutter influenced was. Uh, Donald Trump firing the previous VA secretary. <laughs> like that's how much pull the dude has. Yeah. Um. So think about it. If you you know if you care about vets, which you know like I care about vets. Uh. So I mean like if you're don't care about your vet, about vets, you're kind of like a shit person. So, uh, like we should like you know make sure they get actual care and actual help. And the fact that you know you have this fucking shadow ruler. Uh, like in control of like who gets money, who doesn't get money is something that people should be aware about. 
it's this such this um it's it's a bizarre thing but when you look at like what this administration has been doing it's just a very it's it seems pretty on brand that somehow Ike Perlmutter has gone in Donald Trump's good graces and now he is a trusted advisor even though he has like no government experience he has he obviously has no experience with the US military <laughs> yeah uh but he is just one of the many uh puppet masters and According to this article, there there is some sort of investigation going on with like why these three people are um, officially involved in this really weird unofficial way. I can't wait for uh, uh, Kevin Feige to be asked a question about Ike Perlmutter in an interview. Yeah. Um, anyway, let's try to wrap this up because I think we wanted to get this to just an hour. Yeah. But... Do you want to kind of like say the corporations are your friends part? Um, I, I actually wanted to, before that, I wanted to ask you guys, um, do you buy all of the, like, listening to all of this, do you buy all the speculation that he is the reason for, we had, we had an episode about the TV movie split, do you necessarily believe, like, Ike Perlmutter is, um, is manipulating these events and trying to create this rift between them, or do you think it's just, like, other corporate politics that we don't even see like when when people talk about oh there are no crossovers between tv and movies they're always like oh it's all promoters fault are you one of those people i think initially it was and kind of like we're just dealing with the downfall of it and like as you can see with all the netflix shows being canceled it's just kind of like i think disney's kind of reining it in and trying to say okay we have all these things let's actually do be more consistent about how we're going to do this um I think Ike was kind of like, let's just spread it all out there as best we can, and just get all put all of our like put all of our you know goods and all of in all these baskets, um, and that's what led to kind of conflicts in, uh, you know, uh, production process stuff. I mean, I look, I'm just kind of optimistic in that front. I don't, I think it's, I think there's like, I don't think it's like shady stuff. I think it's a combination of what Ike did as well as what the current climate is and with what Jeff Loeb is. I don't think Jeff Loeb is a very, is very good at what he does in my opinion. <laughs> right, sure. uh, and I mentioned that before on this podcast. So yeah. Yeah. And it's really easy to blame just one person for bad things that are happening. Um, so I kind of fluctuate of like, Oh, he is definitely the, the one guy you should blame. But at the same time, Marvel is such a large body. Like, you know, I didn't really clarify earlier, but Marvel Studios, if in case you didn't know, Marvel Studios is no longer under Marvel Entertainment. Since 2015, it has been under Disney, um, alongside Lucasfilm and Pixar. Um, so let me end with two things. Uh, number one, a few quotes. Um, this is from the LA Times of some people who have kind of like uh, either known him or have like written about him. But these two sentences, he is the Hollywood antithesis. He doesn't go to movies to any appreciable degree. Um, he's unafraid. He doesn't care about public sentiment or what people think about him. He cares about what makes most sense to him. He is a true neutral. <laughs> sure. Um, and it's really interesting that this LA Times article kind of uh, characterizes the comics as research and development for film, TV, video games, and yes, toys. Um, Yikes. So at this point, it seems like in Ike Perlmutter's Marvel, the comics 
as creative entities by themselves do not matter. These comics are just reasons to make to money. yes to make more things that will be more profitable. Corporations um, are not your friends. Yeah, so corporations are not your friends. That's interesting. That's an interesting way to money. look at it. Like, they don't if, care about you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, granted, there are still some fantastic comic writers still working today, and like there yes. are things that are still worth reading. But it must be demoralizing to to know that the man up top thinks that of your work, that you are expendable, and that you are only there to help us make movies in the future. Um. So yes, we love the MCU, but you know it's still kind of a machine. <laughs> yep. Uh, and let me read uh, these two paragraphs that I sent to the both of you last night. Um, this is about a an ongoing legal feud with rival billionaire Harold Perenboom over control of the tennis club in their Palm Beach, Florida. Why are community. these people fucking villains? <laughs> Look at the name. These people are fucking Perenboom. Uh, Pyramid has accused like, Perlotter of sending hate mail to his neighbors and prison inmates, smearing Pyramid Boom uh, as a pedophile and an anti-Semite. Perlmutter has admitted distributing negative newspaper clippings about Pyramid Boom to friends and neighbors, but denies the more salacious hate mail campaign. Instead, attributing to a false flag operation executed by a former Pyramid Boom employee who has denied it. Perlmutter has accused Pyramid Boom of stealing his DNA. While Pyramid Boom accused Perlmutter of using Marvel resources to execute the alleged hate mail scheme, and also enlisting multiple Marvel employees to help Perlmutter investigate Pyramid Boom. The whole affair was expected to go to trial this fall, I guess last fall of 2018, but it hasn't started yet, and during a trial stemming from the bribe from an NYPD, NYPD, eh, NYPD bribery scandal earlier this month, Perlmutter was named on the witness stand by a former police officer who said he helped the Marvel chairman obtain a gun permit and attended multiple Marvel movie premieres. What is this? <laughs> what is this? This doesn't make any sense. I feel, I feel like, like that makes a lot of sense after like everything we just read. I feel like us here at AP Marvel kind of cracked the code and figured out that this guy is the fucking is the fucking shadow person behind all of the bullshit <laughs> that, like, like he's only one piece of the system, and it all goes to the very top. Mm. The top, you say? The fucking, and I, as I'm doing this, I'm taking my glasses off. The President of the United States of America. Dun, dun, dun! There you go. Tagline swipe, you know, fucking uh, intro credits, uh, you know... Yeah. I want to see the Aaron Sorkin movie about this guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, no, 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 not Aaron Sorkin. Adam McKay. Oh, sure. Yeah, actually, that'll be a lot more fun. <laughs> that'll be a lot more fun. Yeah. <laughs> Ike. <laughs> it's just be called Ike, and it's not about the president. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, all, it's about the Ike that no one likes. Um, yeah. Jeez. Anywho, so I hope that gave a an interesting picture of that gave a little more context to what the Where machine you direct your MCU hate. is. Direct your hate to some other person. Yeah, I mean, so well, no. Well, here's the thing. Yes, Ike Murmur is to blame for a lot of things, but at the same time, like business is complicated. You know. Yes. Um, there are a We're lot of factors that go yes. into this. 
yeah, he definitely has Marvel as a whole. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like it, it sounded like his influence cut off at the year 2015 or 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's important to kind of know the context of how VMCU came to be now, um, how it's different now, how optimistically it might be better, even though some people still think it's kind of a machine, and you know. It kind of still is, but yeah, Disney. You know, it's a machine. Yeah, like we we like to champion the people on the ground. We like to champion the writers, the directors, all the of the people creatives. There. The people but... doing the, the shit. Yeah, but um, there is a higher power here. Um, and if it's not Perlmutter that's kind of making weird decisions from the top, you know, it's Disney. It's Bob Iger. You know, um, there are. A lot... We didn't go into any of it, but I'm sure Disney had like no, I'm not sure. Yeah. I am. I know that Disney has a lot of like weird skeletons in their closet. Um, oh, we know for a fact. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And um, like I, th- yeah, I, I think it's important to kind of look at this and kind of saying like, this is this only like you could take a lot of what we discussed today and feed it into the, the Jews are controlling the world narrative, which I think is the bad take. And you're taking a lot of what we're saying in horrifically bad faith. Um, this is a, a person who is horrible and horrific and yeah. Um, and to apply this, uh, to kind of that narrative is horrible. And if you do that, I will find you and I will find like say there really bad things about you on the internet. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 he's a weird person for sure. Um, it's just, god damn it. And th- this will be very this will be somewhat entertaining because like at the end like these are just movies, you know. Um, like we we enjoy them as pieces of art while also being wary of the crazy corporate nonsense that uh, mm-hmm. goes into making them. The thing that makes it like less funny is that he is whispering in the ears of the most powerful person on yes. earth. So keep that in mind. Uh, Anthony Payone, where can people find you on Twitter? You can find me at the Pizza Taco um, on Twitter. Yeah, talk to me. I post yep. a lot of, share a lot of things. I talk a lot. Of, I talk uh, a lot of talk. It's fun. Uh, I am on Compenderizer. I forgot to plug my own social media last week. <laughs> oh no! What will they ever do? Oh no! They'll never find me now, even though it's in the show notes. Um, you can subscribe to AP Marvel on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. Uh, leave us a review. We love reviews. Um, you can give to our Patreon so we can pay our writers and contributors. Uh, we should have a Marvel Musings by Izzy. I'm not sure. Um, Izzy is not in this episode because she is uh, the production manager for a show, which I think is crazy because they literally just got back to school. So Izzy needs know. to stop doing those things. I don't know what's going on. I, I have been a PM for those shows, and I can tell you it's... It's a lot. Week. It's a lot. It's a bitch. Like, it's fucking, a bitch. <laughs> February slot is a fucking sprint. Because, oh, God, you only have, like, four weeks to do it. That was a like, tech week for February slot in January. Izzy, Anywho, God, you can't keep doing this. You're going to burn out. We'll talk to her about that. But anyway, you can also follow our, uh, our media I know, blog. but Izzy will listen to this at some point. So I want to just say that we care about you and love you and respect you. So we just want to make sure that you're okay. Yeah. We're we'll family here at Izzy. We're, we're, we're an APM fam. Uh, follow us on Medium. Uh, join our Discord server, and you can talk about all of the 
fun politics and social issues or just Marvel in general in that Discord server. Uh, thanks to Charles Villanueva for the graphics. Thanks to Steve Motter for the music. And we're off. We're actually going to record another episode about Loki in a few days, but that'll be that'll come out a week from today. So thanks for being with us. We'll see you next time.